Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. This week's podcast, we have Asi Symbol, owner and president of Symbol Developments. They are a Miami-based, design-driven development and construction company. Asi tells us his story of how he started and what he does. He will break down what is development, giving us a high-level view that is easy to understand. Asi looks to build communities that make sense. We briefly touch on how he manages development in multiple cities with various building codes, and he shares with us tips on how one can succeed in the real estate development industry today. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to a newsletter information in the show notes. Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. Asi, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Alejandro. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're here to talk about Symbol Development, which is your your business. It is. It is. But before we do that, let's get to know you. Where are you originally from? So originally I was born in Israel and uh, I was uh, brought to the U.S. I guess when I was three. Grew up in New York, mostly in Brooklyn and Coney Island and lived in New York for most of my life. Lived in L.A. for a little while, went to law school out there, and now for the last 15 years or so, I've been in, in, in Miami. Have you been back to Israel? Yeah, I love Israel. I go back uh, as often as I can. I try once a year. So, yeah, I go there regularly. Man, we almost I almost go to Israel. I was preparing a mission trip for the mayor of the city of Miami with a delegation of like around maybe 10 companies. We were going to go. It was one of my first tasks and I was looking forward to it, but we had to, uh, we had to table the mission trip. Uh, you, you would have loved it. I, I actually went with the mayor of Miami beach not too long ago, a few years back, Philip, uh, Philip Levine. And that was an amazing, amazing mission and an amazing trip. And there are always good opportunities to meet people and to network with when you're, when you're coupling it with local officials. That's right. That's right. And yeah. The place will surprise you. I think, uh, you know, if you're into food, nature, you know, water, um, history and culture, there's very few places in the world that can match Israel. And we're very good friends with the consulate here. And I think they're located in downtown right in front of the park. Yeah, that's right. I remember. I remember. I remember the long lines trying to renew my uh, my passport. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but yeah, but uh, we're very good friends and we worked together many times. A previous consul uh, general um, was very, very active. I don't, I don't think they have one now. I think if they have like an interim waiting for a new one, but uh, it's always good to work with them. Nice. So what brought you to Miami? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, I was, uh, I guess I was in law school out in Los Angeles and a friend of mine uh, who was a fellow, you know, law student out there, knew that I was into real estate at that time. And he said to me, Asi, you should check out Miami. My sister lives there. Go check it out. And back then, I must have been maybe 27, 28, um, you know, n never thought of coming down to Miami. I always thought of it as a, an older person's place to go retire. 
And then I was sent out here on a, on a business trip, actually not even to Miami, to Vero Beach. And then I rented a car and I drove down um, and I was really impressed. And I saw, I thought there were opportunities here on the real estate side um, that I managed to, you know, follow through with. At that time, you know, a few years later, I was developing in, in New York City, but New York City is a very, very expensive place to develop. You know, I was developing for another developer, a, bit, a bigger developer. And in thinking about how to strike it on my own, you know, back then I didn't really have, you know, money or resources. It always stuck with me. Miami always stuck with me as a place that perhaps with a lot less, you can do a lot more. And that's what brought me here. You know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, your initial instinct of Miami was a place of retirement for, for older people, which is what it was before it became, you know, drugs and cocaine and parties. And I'm glad, I'm glad that your initial go-to was, was the retirement and not the usual right. party city, which is, which we're evolving. Of course, <laughs> many years ago, we already evolved into a place where you can do business globally. Basically, there's everything here. Yeah. Thank you. Everything. You're welcome. I did not come here for the drugs and cocaine. <laughs> um, were you, you mentioned you were developing for others, right? Yes, yes. When do you say no more, I'm going to do my own thing? Well, I think when, you know, for me, it was when I, I thought I developed the, the skill necessary to kind of get into this business. You know, it's a tough business to get into. Most people in development that I've seen are third generation developers, right? They come from a family of developers. They're, you know, they're usually their father's a developer and his father was a developer. So to come in without that background, I think is challenging. So, you know, for me, I kind of, first of all, I had to figure out what development was. Uh, I didn't really know what it was. I always thought I'd buy and sell real estate, which is kind of what my mom did, um, you know, when she transferred from being a, a bookkeeper in the lower middle income to, you know, making a little bit more money. And then when I went and in, in Los Angeles, I met a real estate uh, finance professor who introduced me to a developer. Um, and he always said, you could always buy and sell real estate, but if you develop, you'll have a lot more fun and make a lot more money. So I ran around his construction site for a year and then I got hooked on it. And I decided that's when I wanted to be a developer. But I didn't realize at the time how much money is needed. And so, and experience, I thought to myself that I really need to, you know, invest in myself and in my, my skill set in order to be a developer. So when did I think of becoming one? I guess when I developed enough skill and exposure to, to do that. You mentioned at the beginning what you needed to learn what development is. So in, yeah. in, in your experience, what is development? Well, for me, development is, you know, the creation of something rather significant from nothing, starting from an idea and putting a disparate set of people together to execute that idea. You know, it's evolved for me into place setting, creating communities, creating neighborhoods. I mean, there's so many skill sets involved is first of all, buying land. You know, how do you buy it? How do you get the money to buy it? Then what do you put on it? How do you get the right to do that? And then you got to build it. How do you know what to build? How do you build it? How do you make money off of it? And how do you make an impact? There's a lot of varied elements that you, you put together, which I think is great for someone like me who gets bored easily. I think it's the perfect field for me. Awesome. You mentioned fun. What, which part is the funnest for you? All of it. You know, the fact that I wake up in the morning 
And there's like 20 different things I need to do that in our in different, different fields. So finance, law, politics, branding, you know, leasing, marketing, so many things. I get to work with the best designers and architects in the world. Usually there's a crisis or two that appears every day. And I've developed a skill, luckily, to not panic anymore the way I used to back when I was younger, uh, at least not panic as much. Every day is just a new adventure. Do you find yourself doing a lot of work with municipalities? Yeah. So our business is about getting entitlements, right? So a big part of what I do, you know, I take the risk perhaps a lot of developers don't take, you know, so I, I start from scratch. I'll buy a piece of dirt and then I need to entitle that, that property. So that involves, um, you know, getting to know the politicians, getting to know the people who work at the municipalities, um, understanding what their vision for the city is and being able to deliver that vision in a way that makes sense for, for, for me, our investors and the impact that we want to make on, on the neighborhood as well. I'm sure that the different cities and their different codes sometimes pose a challenge. Right. The reason I ask is because I worked in building for like six months and I, and I got a little more deeper into our code, you know, into the building code. But just knowing that every city has their own code, how do you, how do you, as a developer dealing with multiple locations, how do you handle that? Well, I'll tell you, that's where being an attorney helps. You know, finally, I could point to something, you know, about being an attorney that helps. It de definitely helps in that realm. So there's a lot of code, a lot of law a lot of politics involved. And of course you need to surround yourself with a great team of architects and designers who also understand the code and builders who understand the code. It's probably inefficient because in many businesses you can just do the same thing over and over again. But in our business, it seems it's very localized. So every time I enter into a new city and it's not as though we're building just in one city, we're building in, in, in multiple municipalities. I need to familiarize myself with the codes, the politicians, and the goals for each city. You know, surround myself with a good team. That's usually how I'm able to do it. So how can one succeed in the real estate development industry? You know, the development business, I think, is a, is a challenging and fulfilling business. You know, here are a few things that I think I've learned. Um, you know, be patient. Be really patient. It's a long game. So to develop real estate takes a really long time. I mean, you'll be surprised. I'm constantly surprised at how long it takes. Um, it's not uncommon for five to 10 years to pass uh, before you can actually complete a project or a community. Um, I think be, you know, really focused, you know, and determined. I think that's super, super important. Don't give up ever. Um, you know, I, I can recall during the pandemic when we were trying to build our or at least finance our 301 unit building in Dania Point, you know, no banker returned my call for half a year, but, you know, I was persistent and our team was persistent and eventually someone did return that call and now we're going vertical on the project. Try to learn as much as you can from as many people as you can. It takes quite a bit, I think, to go off on your own and, and, and do development in the interim. I really suggest just absorbing as much as you can from everyone around you. And it's not about the money, right? So it's not about a salary. It's not about how much money you're making on a, on a particular deal. You know, it's about really putting your heart and soul and love into the development process. And if you love it, the money's going to follow. Do you surround yourself with people in the industry and your friends are from the industry? You know how they say that 
you're an average of who you surround yourself with or something like that? Yeah. So, um, well, my, my close friends, my closest friends actually are not in the business and I'm sort of like a, a recluse anyway. So I have, you know, a few, few friends, but good friends. They've been, you know, my closest friend for 20 to 30 years now. Um, and so, you know, they're in this different industries, but I do have a lot of acquaintances in real estate and mentors in real estate, more importantly, who have guided me and helped me and shaped who I am today. What is one of the best piece of advice you've gotten from one of your mentors? Like something that you think of often? Well, I mean, it's, it's that first mentor, Howard Jacobs, who, you know, got me into the business and got me away from buying and selling real estate. And his words to me was, you know, development is a lot more fun and it'll make, make you a lot more money. And that really just stuck with me as well as, you know, running around his, you know, construction site and really identifying with being on a construction site. You remind me of, uh, I was exploring on what to do with my life, you know, in, in college. And my dad put me in contact with a friend of his that was a developer. He was also building his own house. So they sent mm. me to that, they sent me to that, um, to that property. And I just observed from the guy that was laying the tiles to the guy even receiving Italian marble. I remember that. And that was, but it, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I love, I love construction. I love the smell of construction. It's, it's, it's that primal, you know, I love that smell of construction. So, and I think I remember it since I was 15, maybe breaking into a job site with another friend, you know, on a, on a summer trip to Israel. I remember that. And I remember the smell of construction. And when I reconnected it with in law school, when I worked for that first developer in my mid to late twenties, I, I guess it must've been primal. And, and it became really clear about what it is that I was meant to do. It's impressive. The power of smell, huh? Yeah. The power of smell. So you mentioned communities. So how, how yeah. does one build communities? You know, it's really a, an intricate, intimate step-by-step -step process. Right. It's about, you know, touching, feeling, being inside of it. For example, in downtown Fort Lauderdale, uh, we have six acres uh, that we're going to develop into a, a very significant district on an international scale. Um, but I didn't know much about Fort Lauderdale when I bought the property. So what I did is I moved into the building next to the property for a year and a half to walk and touch and feel the neighborhood and get to know everyone in the area and then get to know the politicians and get to know, you know, the retail and, and the environment and why people love Fort Lauderdale. Why do they like this area? So part of it is really getting in and putting your heart and soul into figuring out, you know, what this community likes and also what this community needs, because being from the outside is also very, very helpful because you look at things with a fresh pair of eyes. Um, and then the way we structure our company, we're not just, you know, developers, we're also the actual builders, right? So we're the general contractors on our projects. What that allows us to do is make changes and tweaks that don't necessarily cost as much as let's say if you hire a third party general contractor and we can pass those savings or make changes later in the process. We could pass that to the community or to our residents or the people who are going to benefit from what we built. And then there's another layer also of, of the ground space, which I think is really important. What's the experience coming into the building? What's the experience coming into the community? And what kind of retail concepts are there? So what are the restaurants that are there? 
what, what are the food and beverage concepts that are there. And we'll go so far as to actually create those concepts so that it makes a really big impact on the neighborhood that we're creating. And a project that we did in, in Winwood or Winwood Norte, you know, we were one of the pioneers on the west side of North Miami Avenue and 35th Street. No one had developed anything there. And it was across from Midtown. Midtown was under construction. So we built the building ourselves as a general contractor. And then we had a couple of open spaces that we thought to create food and beverage concepts to attract the community and create, you know, a place. And so we created Gigi, which is a, you know, a great, you know, hip, you know, food establishment that was not expensive. And we also created Bardot, which was uh, for a very long time, one of the hottest, you know, clubs with live music in Miami. And we connected the two. So, you know, if there was music in Gigi, you'd hear it at Bardot and, and vice versa. And we connected the two and we timed it. And we really, you know, went into, into detail on how they played out and played against one another. So that's kind of the level that we get into. And that was really training wheels for, you know, that project with Gigi and Bardot was a training wheel for what we're about to do in downtown Fort Lauderdale. When you mean you created Gigi and Bardot, you mean you found partners to do that or you guys started the concepts for the restaurants? Yeah. So we had a, we had a partner at the time who was um, into food and beverage and we, you know, together we created the concept and hired the chef and hired the employees and, and created the menu and then designed for Bardot, you know, obviously the interior design and obviously, you know, created a, you know, a playlist and, you know, and um, you know, a game plan for who would play at, at that venue. So, you know, similar to what we're about to do in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale is likely going to have, you know, ultimately 30,000 square feet of retail on the ground floor. And retail is not something that you can easily hand over to a third party and hope for success. You know, there will be examples like that, but for the most part, you really need to take control over that aspect and really, you know, properly curate it and give it soul. So it's our intent, for example, to create several food and beverage concepts. So what would that mean? That would mean, you know, raise the money for it, hire the chefs. In this instance, we're looking to partner up with the best chefs in South Florida, um, you know, have a great, you know, bar scene. In this instance, we're looking to partner up with the greatest barmen or women in South Florida and give them not only an ownership of the restaurant and the bar that we're created, but also all the retail and curate that retail experience so that it centers around, you know, that food and beverage concept that we're actually doing ourselves. Um, and also create a sense of, you know, sort of a mystery and discovery on the ground floor. And we believe that that's going to attract a great number of people to the community and to the buildings themselves. I have to say, I think I'm, I'm impressed on, on the wholesome approach that, that is put together when thinking about these concepts, I guess I didn't really think about it that way, but it's, it's nice to know that there's like this methodology behind these projects. Yeah. You know, and, and also, you know, who's going to design it, right? I mean, we're not here to slap up another building, right? We want there to be world-class architecture and everything we do. You know, we want to get very intimately involved. It's really, you know, a bespoke kind of experience in creating these communities. So, you know, we will handpick that designer We'll guide the designer with the program that we're looking to create on the ground floor. Also, ultimately, let's not forget, 
in order to, you know, build these buildings, it takes a lot of money in order to, you know, have that money. You got to raise that money. So people are not just altruistically going to give you the money. Hey, I see. Great. Go create a wonderful, impactful community. They're going to want to see, you know, a significant return. And that's the other aspect of our built business. In addition to creating places that we can be really, really proud of with design and impact, we also want to be known and are known as the guys who you give money to, who are going to give you back more money than you've made anywhere else. So it's about how do you put all that together? So we're creating an impact, great design, technology, emphasis on no nature and sustainability. But on the finance side, we, we want to be known for, and we are known for being the guys who are going to give you a greater return than you're going to make anywhere else. So I know that we're running out of time. I have one more question for you. What are your thoughts on the future of South Florida? Well, I think we have an amazing opportunity as stakeholders in South Florida to really create and make a huge impact here and bring South Florida and the regions within South Florida, you know, to the highest level on an international scale, as far as culture goes and art and design and quality of life and hopefully also affordability. And we're looking to really, you know, make that impact as a, as a development company. Aussie, thank you so much for taking the time and, and sharing your story with us today here at Miami Global Net. Thank you, Alejandro. It's a real pleasure. <laughs>